Welcome to the UCM. We're your tour guides, Zan Peters and Joe Semino. And we're going to be taking you through our humble little museum's collection. The exhibits may or may not be real, but the stories sure are. Enjoy your visit today at the Uncanny County Museum. So I did something truly bird-like today. Oh, okay. I walked through a pane of glass, <laughs> and it completely shattered around me. Oh, but wait, really? <laughs> I have gotten very used to working alone when at the frame shop, and I'm mm-hmm. working with a coworker <laughs> who left out a very, very clean and very, very clear piece of picture framing glass. Oh, no. Oh, no. (laughs) And I turned around to walk somewhere and just stepped through it. Oh, my God. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, geez, Sam. And just like, and suddenly, like, imagine, like, walking through something that you had presumed was just Mm -hmm. air, and then suddenly (laughs) you hear a crash, and then next thing you know... There is just shards of glass all around your feet. Oh, no. So your your world was literally shattered. Yes, yes. It felt like I had shattered reality itself. Um, <laughs> I imagine that's what it felt like. I mean, is it like what in those like movies or old cartoons where like people have to like dodge out of the way for the glass, but then they end up hitting it or something? You ever see those? Mm. That like trope very specific one see the interesting thing about this is and i wonder if this is maybe advice for the next time you have to dive through a piece of glass apparently if you do it shoe first Hmm. uh you you uh take on minimal damage really well yeah because i think that's the thing because you know me certified boot dude right of course um yeah i wear i wear boots to uh boots to work picture framing i look nice but also you know something sturdy for sure um and just like you know and not not a scratch on him you know Mm. or or on my clothes or me thankfully that's good Uh, yeah but yeah just uh i I just shoe first but in that moment i did have to reflect on you know how many times birds have been fooled by this scenario of not understanding <laughs> right. that there's a pane of glass in front of them. Oh man, you're really one with the birds. I feel like it could happen to any of us at that mm-hmm. point. So, yeah. yeah. Oh, uh, yeah. That's. Uh, I mean, how many how many times have you had your reality shattered around you like that? I can't count them on my <laughs> fingers. That's for sure. So, <laughs> I think you you got one up on me. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, I guess I I can also ask then what sort of I, I ju- just as I was, you know, had had to reconsider my perception of where I was in that moment in that place. Where where are we right now in the museum? Well, we are inside but outside. Mm, ah, riddle me that. Huh? exactly (laughs) well no we are in what is thought to be a recreation of the um mythicized or mythical land of vinland 
uh, which is part of the Old Norse sagas and is thought to be, well, actually, no, it is in North America. And this, you know, huh. you can hear the birds surrounding us. Hopefully there's no glass anywhere. Uh <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, trees whistling the wheat. And if you notice, there's a lot of vines around us with wild grapes on them. You can go ahead and just, you know, pick some of those off. We'll make some wine oh, later. Okay. Yes. Yeah. Yes. And so oh, this is this is definitely before they invented seedless grapes. It, yes, this is definitely before that. So just, you know, watch yourself. Um, yes. And this, you know, is is really for us to kind of gather around. We're going to have like an outdoor hangout and we're going to hear the tale of Vinland, and specifically the Norse people's exploration of the region. And I guess it's reality-shattering for me in the way that <laughs> I didn't know any of this. And it was something that's been bothering me for a while, and I, you know, mm. after doing some research and getting some funding from the museum, thought to do an exhibition about it for um, our tour here, and with the help of Zan, of course. Hi. And so I think, you know, it... I guess let me ask you this to kind of to kind of just start us off here in our adventure. What do you know about the stories of the uh, Norse peoples or Vikings, as they're often referred to, traveling to North America? What have you heard? Um, well, I guess it ends with Fargo. Oh, <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah. At some at some point, uh, there's Norwegian death metal. Mm-hmm. Um, there's trolls, um, Moomin. Okay. Uh, um, Bill Skarsgård. Yeah. Uh, Carl Olaf Nosgard. Mm-hmm. Um, and Bloodbread. Oh, and Pickled Herring. Huh. So. <laughs> <laughs> really hit everything from the centuries now. Yes, yes. I do not know that much honestly about scandinavian stuff if i know anything i feel like in history it was kind of more in their relationship uh to the british isles Mm. okay and that that was sort of the context i feel like we would have encountered any nordic or scandinavian stuff like gotcha would have been talking about like the the jutes and mm. uh you know the normans yeah yeah but also i'm i'm vaguely aware like that my perception of vikings is colored by a lot of different things right whether that be roman ideas of vikings that or Scandinavians, because I have a feeling I'm using the word Viking incorrectly right now. Uh, ju- judging, judging by you know the the way that you're grimacing and really rip, you're making a fist every time I say mm, Vikings. I'm, just, I'm getting ready. I'm like, oh, I can't wait to correct Zan is this, today. Is this is this like when you call a pteranodon a dinosaur? Yeah, it's probably the same. <laughs> but I. I'm I'm fascinated by Viking stuff. I'm also very aware it's probably colored by mm. a lot of trendy ideas right now about Vikings, about ideas of quote unquote Aryans. Our um, I, I I'm just aware there's there's a lot mm-hmm. of things at play in my perception of any ancient people for sure that I don't really have much working knowledge with. So I don't know how to sort out. <laughs> those things i'm also vaguely aware that they did 
encounter they they did get to north america and even mm. encountered uh the natives but i uh even in the uh the book i'm currently you know every every now and then i pick it up and then i i read part of it i'm fascinated and then i read something else for sure. some reason uh, uh 1491 there's even some reference to uh vikings being in very north north america ah yes uh, i don't really know that much else i know uh the the, the whole Gr- greenland iceland oh we'll get into it thing? we'll get into okay. it don't worry about it yeah um that i mean to be fair zan no one really knows much else in, in north america because no one wrote anything <laughs> down so there's a whole we'll we'll flush it all out but yeah it's it's for sure um, both a lot and not a lot at the same time of information regarding their involvement in North America, specifically here in Vinland. And yeah, for sure, popular culture and also some other instances of white supremacy have kind of colored and changed the ways we look, I think, at Vikings and or mm-hmm. Norse peoples or Scandinavian peoples today. Um, and so for this, specifically where we're located, this will be taking place after... Uh, the Viking Wars. So that would be like Viking Wars are like 790 CE to like 950 CE. I'll correct that eventually. <laughs> I'm no, I'm not an expert. I'm. I would. I guess I'm like a Viking enthusiast. I'm gonna preface this ah, right now. A Viking enthusiast. Sure, and I'm gonna put a like asterisk on that. I don't know what it is. I don't hmm. know why I am so fascinated with like Norse mythology and in general like more culture than mythology. I don't know mm-hmm. what it is. I only went to Denmark once. And it was before that, so <laughs> you're just hearing me ramble at this point of of something I found interesting. So bear with me, I guess. Yeah, I mean, and we were we were in Copenhagen together. Yeah, yeah. It was you know it was it was fascinating <laughs> to see. It was very different from where we were living yeah, in Italy. Vastly different. Yeah, um, from and them. yeah, you you have that. Um, that sort of like affluent Scandinavian, very clean city. Yeah, for sure. And you're like, huh? So these are the descendants of uh, the 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 bloodthirsty, matted hair, uh, bearded men that we mm. sort of uh, might encounter in in uh, in certain literature. Yep. But yes. not mad at hair because they also probably would have. Well, no, we do know that they took care of their hair uh, very much. So the whole mm-hmm. that well, what we we'll get into that eventually when we cover the Viking Wars because I don't want to get did into they, necessarily. Did look. they or did they not have pigtails? Uh, I can't really <laughs> confirm or deny it. I know this one weird fun fact is that like we do know that they would have most likely shaven their sides and had their hair long in like the braid that you see on like really? Vikings. Yeah, I'm pre- that's pretty like standard clear like that that would have happened or specifically in braids, not boxed mm-hmm. braids, not locks braids okay. to be very specific cuz that argument's right, very right. annoying. Yeah. But they had combs, and they were clean, and had mm-hmm. that sort of um, thing to them. It's more of an English perspective to kind of heathenize them. It's a whole thing. Okay. But yeah. specifically where we're covering um, today, and where we're at, this mm-hmm. would be after said Viking War. So you'll mostly hear me not refer to them, or really not refer to them at all as Vikings, because it would be kind of improper to do so, because Viking or Vikinger means raider or pirate vikinger exactly well because it's it's actually a verb it's a verb so it'd be like to go a viking so oh, it, it gets misused a lot interesting yeah so technically when we say like 
oh, it's they're a Viking. It's like, no, they'd be like a Vikinger. They'd be a raider. Hmm. You wouldn't say you're a raid. You know what I mean? Is there any other is there any other group of people that we refer to them as a verb? Like they are entirely defined by one thing they do? I guess like, oh, who the vandals? <laughs> Oh, because <laughs> they vandalize stuff. I get. Yeah, I'm pretty I, sure that's where that comes from. And the barbers, I think, not entirely sure, but I, I, I don't think, I, I don't think that were were the barbers into cutting hair. No, I, I, I can't exactly remember. It, it might be, it might be Berber. I don't exactly remember. Uh, Berbers, I believe, similar to the way that we use um, barbarian, right? Which Barbarian would have been a label that Greeks gave um, the more northern uh, European, Germanic, and Slavic uh, peoples. Yeah, exactly. That, that to, to imitate the way that they thought Germanic language sounded. Bar, 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 bar. Well, that's rude. <laughs> I believe Berbers in the Middle East yeah. had sort of a similar thing thrust on them of the other... Uh, Maybe the the other sort of Ottoman groups mm. sort of, you know, looking down on these nomadic people, not really understanding their language and sort of imitating the way that they thought their language sounded. Interesting. I mean, this is also yeah. something that's going to come up later on as I as we get into this story of, of putting a name on a group of people uh, and maybe that not helping the relationships. Yeah, because all of the other names that. You know what? Honestly, now that I think about it, any other time that I feel like you name people after a thing they do, it's usually a slur. Yeah. Yeah. So <laughs> it's not great. Not no, great. not great. Yeah. Who am who am I to slur the Vikings? I mean, oh, there, yeah. there I am doing it again. <laughs> well, like when I think the way to kind of go about it, so I'm not going to be as like pretentious, right? Because that's annoying. Right, right. But like in the context of the Viking Wars, like when Vikings mm-hmm. are being hired or Vikingers are being hired, it makes sense. But like in this okay. context, we're post really those specific wars. This is like we're entering kingdoms okay. and such. So Norsemen or, or, or Norse peoples makes more sense. Because also Dane and Norse are not the same thing. Dane is... Mm-hmm. You know, from Denmark or Jutland, and then from, if you're Norse, you're from Norway. So it's, you know, that's another weird little thing. But as it goes... Which one, now, which one has trolls? Norse, so Norwegian. Okay, all right. Yeah, because... Oh, yeah, that makes sense. Troll Hunter took place in Norway. Yeah, and I think that gets divided later. Like, I think it starts to separate and stuff. But giants Mm -hmm. are in both because of the myths and such. Ah. Yeah, it's a whole whole thing. We'll eventually touch it. But Mm -hmm. let's just just get into it. I feel like let's just get into some mystery. Let's do it. So... Gather around, Kinder. Uh, Well, (laughs) gather around while Joel... uh, what is the uh what is the nordic nordicized version of simino i don't know Uh, (laughs) i have no idea i don't even want to try oh my god while joseph saminson uh (laughs) recounts the tale of the vinland oh my god yeah that's probably right (laughs) (laughs) mine would probably be pretty easy probably peterson yeah you'd be like peterson or peterson peterson well actually Again, correct me if I'm wrong, but I believe that would have literally meant that your father was named Peter. Yes. You're about to meet okay. someone just like that. Oh, I <laughs> yeah. wonder what Leif Erikson's father's name was. 
<laughs> I wonder. So speaking of that, in a brief retelling of family history and drama, this account of the famous and largely unknown story of Vinland takes place during the 10th and 11th centuries, and it follows the stories of the explorers Eric the Red, Leif Erikson, and Thorfinn Karlsefni. There is, it is, wow. it is Leif or Life. I like Life. life. I'm just going to roll with it. I, I personally, I think it just sounds better than Leif as people go but yeah it doesn't matter so but mm. you know you also have to give i i am throwing out any reference i have (laughs) in my head to uh the northern peoples of europe right now uh and that one honestly that i think the only reason people in our age group know that is because of spongebob it's literally because of spongebob yeah yeah i think you might you might learn who that is like later in school, but the first time you heard that name, you SpongeBob. know it was SpongeBob. Yep, exactly. Yes. And weirdly, an, an important name, I guess. But you know, we'll, mm-hmm, we'll mm-hmm. let's we'll follow the sagas as they go. So continue. Now, this falls under the tale of the Islandigersher or the sagas of the Icelanders, which were Old Norse stories passed down by oral tradition uh, until they're written down in the 13th and the 14th centuries. Now, the Grandlindiger saga, or the Greenland saga, is one we will also be drawing from in order to depict the events here. Because both of these are really pulled from stories in this sense. Mm. And so some of it's kind of fictional. Some of it's most likely true, just from historical Uh events. But we also do have to kind of go into this guise that some of the events depicted here may or may not be false, just because of stories. But is this... Would you put this, like, in the same camp as the iliad where we think the greeks did go to war at some point with troy we don't know necessarily how much else that happened in the story is true because it was a it was passed down orally for so long or is this is this like a little bit more verified than than something like that this is a bit more verified because there's like some documentation and there's very clear evidence that like said places like Greenland and Iceland obviously exist or like it's it's really specifics like well we'll we'll get into it but in the case it is is, to to be to be fair this is a lot more recent this is very well yeah because the (laughs) Iliad takes kind of forever to write down this is like this is all happening in about like a thousand CE and it's written Mm -hmm. down in like 1300s so okay. you know or 1400s depending you know so this is it's it's that 400 300 years kind of gap versus a lot longer. yes okay yeah and so you know we're gonna be focusing specifically to start on eric the red um mm-hmm. but it's also kind of important i think to kind of give some context to these areas so in regards to um the colonies or norse colonies at this time iceland and the faroe islands had been in norse control since the ninth century or so which Mm. would have been a place for many people to escape the largely new forming kingdoms and religions in the areas of norway denmark and parts of sweden so this entire history takes place after the 10th century viking wars in britain and although some of these territories would have still been under dane law or dane control in britain but Regardless, we're going to be talking specifically about North America and the Scandinavian uh, colonies at that time or settlements because they're more like right, settlements. Right. Yeah. And you, you don't you don't want to be in under the control of the Danes. That, that family <laughs> is, is just full of so much drama. Yeah, of course. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Oh, um, it's so wait, are they at this point? OK, so this is only about a thousand years ago. Mm-hmm. Uh, 
only. <laughs> yeah. It's only like a thousand years. I guess years. last last week we were talking about dinosaurs. So all of this <laughs> right. is very recent. Exactly. But a thousand years ago, is Northern Europe pretty sufficiently Christianized at this point? Are mm. there like pagan holdouts because Scandinavia is so much more remote? Or is everybody mm-hmm. uh, pretty into Jesus at this point? So, you know, at this time, like the Viking Wars are pretty, well, they're essentially over. Um, and okay. all of these different kingdoms are starting to form within Scandinavia. So you have the Kingdom of Norway, Kingdom of Denmark, um, and Dane law still exists relatively in Britain. It's like up in the north. This is, you know, going to go away pretty soon. And there's going to be a whole nother mm-hmm. war in England. But at this point, kingdoms are starting to form and Christianity is taking hold. Like after mm. the conquest in England and how that kind of doesn't really work out too well, people started becoming in- interested in, in, um, in Catholicism and Christianity specifically. And, you know, mm. we'll, we'll mention this more towards the end of the story because it kind of will lead us there. But at the same time, it's, you know, a, the Norse peoples also were very much into trade which I think Mm -hmm. amplifies this reason. And so because people were trading, they were seafarers, you know, they're going all over the place. Christianity became kind of cool and started spreading into different places. So we are going to see this show up in these, in these settlements that we'll be talking Hmm. about. And and so, but but also to answer to that last part, pay like people still follow the old ways. It definitely would have been in the cultural memory of Thor and Odin. I don't think it went away that fast, but it was mm-hmm. becoming less popular. I imagine it, it was like when the Romans started switching from like their um, polytheistic religion to then like Christianity. That right, like that middle they could ground. Graft the saints onto. Yeah. Exactly. Okay. So th- it's looking less and less like Midsummer. Yeah, it's not it's not very much like Midsummer at, at, at this point. This is we're kind of in a age of like we're out of the dark ages, very much towards the Middle Ages and starting to kind of expand and and make kingdoms and make lots of mm-hmm, money mm-hmm. and also wage wars. Yes, yes. Okay. Yeah, the, that's the that's the that's the way it goes. That is the way it goes. And so with that, in in kicking off our investigation really into Vinland specifically here. So around 950 CE, Eric Thorvaldsson or Eric the Red was born mm-hmm. in Rogland, Norway, and after a while his father Thorvald, again, Thorvald, so Thorvaldsson, <laughs> moved them gotcha. to he moved them to Iceland because he was banished mm. after committing manslaughter in Norway. So, not a good look. Oh. Yeah. And so, Iceland was relatively populated by this point, and after... Sooner- and they just didn't care in Iceland. They were like, so why'd you move to Iceland? Uh, well, <laughs> they uh, they could kind of take whoever they could get, to be honest. But, like, huh. a lot of people were doing that at this point. Iceland was becoming a up-and-coming like settlement but it's cold Hmm. like it's or well actually it's not as cold as we would think about it today but it's still pretty cold there's not much to farm and it's very fragile so like Mm -hmm. after he um takes his family and moves to iceland he eventually dies in 980 ce which was pretty relatively soon after all this kind of took place okay and so during uh eric's early adulthood he took after his father and then got banished from iceland for manslaughter but um yeah only for three years though so he was he was banned for three years because Iceland was at this time very tentative to violence versus Norway. You know, in Norway, okay. you're going to get like executed or someone's going to actually kill you like on the streets. Iceland hmm. is new. 
you know, they're a new territory, they're a new settlement. They don't want fighting because that's going to make things collapse. Mm. So it's mm. kind of like get out of here. So leave. they're 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 willing to look the other way on things. Also, I don't know how much more north they can keep sending criminals until you get like Arctic Australia. Yeah, because it's like so. Wait, you're getting punished from Norway by getting sent to Iceland. If you get banished from Iceland, like. D- does it come back around and you start getting sent to better places <laughs> no or... <laughs> you just die at that point to be honest i guess i iceland also has volcanoes you imagine yep. like that they would just like toss people into them no that was kind of barbaric <laughs> i guess that's too much that would be too much okay okay <laughs> so right now he's kind he's he's kind of this uh this medieval roman polanski Sort of just ke- yeah. keeps getting taught, just keeps getting tossed around to different countries that don't yeah. really seem to want him that much. Pretty much. I mean, I had heard it's a bit justified because the person who he killed, like, killed one of his slaves, but, you know, the, the mitigating mm. arguments. But anyway. Was that a, was, wait, so he oh. killed a slave and that was considered manslaughter rather no, than murder? So, or? No, so. Uh, this said, I mean, how do you commit medieval manslaughter? You, you stab- it's not like you. It's not like you're going to hit them with your car. <laughs> your medieval, your horse. He might have. I don't know. But <laughs> he just jumped out in front of my horse. <laughs> so essentially, he took like retribution because apparently, said guy that he killed killed oh. one of his slaves, and it was like, oh, ah, ah, you killed okay, my okay. properties. I'm going to kill you. The whole thing. Because also, okay. that should be worth pointing out. There are still slaves at this point in. Europe. Oh yeah. You know, not what we will see later, but yeah, still kind of exists. Um, And so unable Mm -hmm. to have remained in Iceland and probably been unwelcomed in Norway because of what his father did, he decides to explore the Northwest uh, where there were reports of land. And such Mm. reports came from Gunnbjör Olfsson, who made note of land there, which is a great name, by the way, Mm -hmm. (laughs) Gunnbjör. But um, it's more than likely that Norse were actually hunting north like very much north um but no settlements were founded there just yet at this time and Mm, so what's interesting mm. here as well is that the common theme that keeps happening throughout most of this conversation is northern colonization or and and placing settlements ends up happening because of accidental founding they just stumble Mm. upon it and that's exactly what happens here with eric the red and so during his exile departure eric finds Mm. a mysterious land and he names it grandland or as we know Greenland, which is, I guess, your northern Australia, if you really want to get into it. But interesting. Now, does green mean the same thing to them? Yes, as it does. So like that, that is, is that a, is that a cognate with English? Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, kind of. So in, in, I knew it was going to come up. So we got to kind of just talk about it for a hot second. But essentially, there Mm -hmm. is that debate of, oh, he named it Greenland because it was a trick and haha, and, you know, and people are like, no, it's because it was actually green. So Mm. to put kind of my own theory and kind of end to that for the sake of this, of not talking about it for a half hour, um, Mm -hmm. essentially the, the real accepted one is that he names it Greenland to convince people to come there and saying, you know, it's lush. It's this land of green. It is possible Mm. that it, it, and most likely true that it was not as covered in snow as we would think of now. It's not necessarily a frozen Mm. wasteland. There would have been, it's 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 gonna be like more tundra. It's gonna be barren. It's definitely more barren than Iceland. But you know, part of it is in you know it's it's assumed that it's a trick. And even in the sagas, they refer to it as a trick to kind of convince ah. people to move. Because after all, he does need to convince people to move there. And yeah, and and because of this this climate shift that happens in the Middle Ages, which we'll talk about a lot later, um, mm-hmm. it is 
most likely that both Iceland and Greenland were warmer and maybe in the winters they were colder and obviously frozen, but during like summers mm. or springs would have had more green to them. Although I hesitate to say that. So, right. Yeah. It's like, I don't know, like even like whenever you're studying world history and you're like talking about all of these Northern powers, like trying to get some sort of like access to right milder climates. And then it turns out like they're struggling to like Mm. get England and you're like, (laughs) wait, England is the warm is the warm water port paradise you've been. Yeah. Well, trying to get it's kind of crazy, but it was I mean, it maybe in specifically like Wessex and Sussex and stuff. Yeah, the, the yeah. land is super fertile, whereas like in Norway mm-hmm. and things, it, it wasn't. Um, yeah, you can only just grow. Uh, I don't know. Uh, reindeer and elves. <laughs> I didn't know. We- and- <laughs> I was like, wait, we grow reindeer. <laughs> they just sprout from the land. <laughs> exactly. Well, that's kind of a part of the reason that people are trying to move away now too is to to find their own ways and also because to escape said persecutions or you know being mm-hmm. arrested or trying to just make their okay, own so, way okay so so this this really is north australia mhm which actually i bet we could come up with a better name for that because australia itself the word means like southern land like oh, that's house interesting. Mean, house means southern right huh like uh, like australopithecus just right, means right. southern ape oh okay yeah huh yeah i i mean essentially that's kind of what's happening here it's more up to people's like will like no government is sending anybody it's kind of like its own Hmm. thing like greenland specifically and iceland are their own places that people move to they have their own governments they have their own kind of like i don't even know if there's really kingdoms yet there's nothing really going on like that and they're Hmm. they're small i mean the population is relatively small here i think it's only like two thousand five hundred people at the time maybe less before before now would there have been anyone else predating them or do we simply not have the archaeology to support anything like that like did they are they the first humans to have arrived in this area were there any like uh like would they have encountered like northern like native canadians or something or inuit or so there were people living here there were like the thule for instance who are the the predecessors to the Inuit at this time living okay. in the mainland Greenland, but okay. they would have been, it's, it's, um, it's theorized that they would have been more in the North or in the center mm. of Greenland. Cause Greenland's pretty big as a landmass. I mean, I guess it's not, that. Yeah. it's no Australia, but it's not small. <laughs> so the settlers here only settled on the coast. Cause one, they're seafarers. So they need trade and they didn't really have the mm-hmm. desire to go in. Um, mm-hmm. and that is led to believe why they never had like contact so early on it was pretty rare it's possible i don't want to rule it out but it's unlikely this early like in the thousands it's it's most likely unlikely they probably Mm. didn't even realize they were literally hanging out in the western east coast you know the Mm -hmm, the settlers mm -hmm. that is they're gonna come up later though the indigenous population of greenland and it's definitely Mm -hmm. important to keep in mind but at this point you know uh eric thread shows up and he's like yo no one's here this is great and one thing to kind of to keep in mind with this if that's what you're looking for i mean anywhere's cool i guess they're just they're just explorers they just want to find something interesting they just want to find some nice land free of white walkers and i mean yeah just just settle down 
essentially. But, you know, what we should also consider here, though, is Greenland's technically a part of North America, although not always seen as such. So this makes this the first European colony in North America, which is 500 years or so before Columbus and Spanish conquest. Interesting. Which is Interesting. not, I mean, it's, it's again, it's not really talked about because it's, they didn't do anything. It's not really that important in the, for the sake of change. But mm-hmm. Greenland, I think, offers a little bit more importance than, let's say, um, you Isn't know. Greenland to this day like a colony or it's considered a colony of Iceland? They're a territory of Denmark, of the Kingdom of Denmark, oh, if I understand really? that. Oh, really? Yeah, still. You never still, think it's about wild. that. You never think there, about It that. was kind of like the whole Britain, Britain owning like Canada for a while and then letting go. It's mm-hmm. it's like they're apparently autonomous. Like they do, they have their own kind of government, but they're okay, like... Okay, so it's like it's like a uh, a, a Commonwealth scenario, a, uh, yeah. a, U- a UK and like uh, Canada situation. Yeah, kind of. I don't know how involved the Danish are anymore. I hope that they just give it back, to be honest, because they I don't even know why the Kingdom of Denmark claimed. Well, I I do, actually, but we'll get into it later. But it's um, Mm, okay. Yeah. So they do still own that now. And there's going to be a lot of movement happening before that. Okay. Okay. But so after discovering Greenland, Eric brings his children, uh, Freys, Life and Thorvald and Thorfstein to live there. And mm. this leads us to our kind of next part of our tale, which is going to really bring us to uh, Vinland. And so in doing so, we have to talk about two real main important characters in this journey. Mm-hmm. And the first is Leif Eriksson. So the son of Eric the Red, who's born, who's most likely born in Iceland in 970 CE. And he's the most famous in popular culture, as we kind of mentioned because of Spongebob for this instance, but besides mm-hmm. even like televised entertainment, he's also the most, he, he he was always kind of revered as the most important in the sagas, except there is, mm-hmm. he's given as much room as uh, Thorfinn, who we'll talk about a little later. Um, mm-hmm. But, you know, I think because of Spongebob and because of popular culture, he's become <laughs> the main name because life is cool. <laughs> if you watch, if you watch Vinland Saga for any anime watchers out there, which is very good, uh, Thorfinn, that's where Thorfinn comes from, just not the same. Thorfinn. Guy. Yeah. Oh, oh, these these names maniac. are fantastic. Oh, they're great. But... And they get even better. <laughs> <laughs> so essentially how this all kind of plays out is upon finding a similar spot of land uh, from another traveler named, or actually really how this starts to play out is life hears about this other land, this this place that this traveler, Bjarni uh, Herolfsson, or Herolfsson, mm-hmm finds and he becomes kind of interested in this you know he he wants to take after his father wants to go exploring and he hears about this Mm -hmm. mystical land and or this 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 western land this is we're going more west you know this Mm -hmm. is just keep going out there and finding something so Mm -hmm. life hires a ship and a crew to go and explore this land that bjarni was so fond of mentioning and after setting sail they pass their first uh this, their first account of land, which life would then name Heluland, which translates to the land of the flat rocks, and it's more than likely modern-day Baffin Island, which oh. is interesting. Yeah, so to kind of give us an idea of where we're at right now. Mm-hmm. And they eventually keep traveling and reach a place called Markland, which uh, translates to the land of the trees, and is most likely the Labrador coast. Uh, we are getting a very specific way of how they're naming things based on what they see. Uh, and then two days later, they reach a new area where he and his men found wild grapes and wild wheat, just kind of like we see here, which brings us to the name of Vinland, and thus starting the Norse involvement in North America. Whoa. Yeah, I gotta... That's our pre... That was like the prelude, man. 
That was like the. Wow. Be- I had to kind of give some context because yeah. a lot of that doesn't make sense, and or a lot of what we're going to talk about now won't make sense without the context. Okay. So yeah, essentially, yeah, the name of Vinland comes from the discovery of wild grapevines in the area in the surrounding area, hence Vinland, uh, land oh. of vines. But it's also possible in some translations, it's because of the fields. So land of fields would be uh, the name as well. It's a bit unclear, mm-hmm. but. So, and its location is still unclear to us. We don't exactly know where this would have been, but historians estimate that it would have been in modern-day Newfoundland, where a Norse settlement was later discovered. Um, And Hmm. some historians also suspect that because of the name regarding grapes, it would have been farther south near New Brunswick or Nova Scotia, potentially as far south as Maine in the U.S. I was going to say, that is very far north to grow grapes. That's the thing. And this is where we're going to get into a lot of theory or a lot of just idea. We don't know. I'm going to be upfront yeah. right now. We have no idea how far south they went. We do not huh. know. We know they landed somewhere near Nova Scotia because of, uh, or Newfoundland, I should say, because of a, a map indicating it, and it matches up pretty closely to our modern ones. And because we'll find a settlement there pretty soon, but Mm -hmm. uh, we don't know. And this gets even more confusing. I've heard heard of Martha's Vineyard. I haven't heard of uh, Life's Vineyard. No, no Life's Vineyard yet. That's a good name, though, so keep that in the back of your head if we ever open a winery. Uh, (laughs) Or a vineyard, I guess. So, yeah, so we don't exactly know, but it wouldn't be surprising if there were Norse remains eventually found south. Yeah, we just find where someone's digging in uh, Napa Valley. And yeah, just like <laughs> find a coin or something. Find, yeah, uh, <laughs> exactly. And so the other major player to the story, as I mentioned earlier, is uh, Thorfinn Karlsefni, who also is again equally shared through the um, through the sagas. He's mentioned just mm-hmm. as much. He comes seven years later, though, and after after life that is he would have known about him and followed his maps and basically went the same way Mm. and so he also leaves greenland with three full ships and sets sail for this new land for this vinland to find it and they settle in what is believed to be newfoundland or what today is believed to be newfoundland in a site which would now be known as lansu meadows which is the one and really only archaeological site where Norse settlement remains were founded in north america wow so this is interesting because they're you know, we we know it. They made it here. We know that they did go mm-hmm. to North America. That they had some sort of involvement. The sagas again amplify this, and they are mm. stories. But there's a lot of weight to it, and there's also a lot of mention of it. Problem yeah. is, there's no settlements but this one, like fully intact, relatively that we can actually uncover what life would have been like, which right. leads to a lot of this or that kind of talk. You know, they went here. Mm-hmm. They went to Minnesota. No, they went to the South. You know, we don't. <laughs> We don't know because we genuinely have found Is that why they call the Minnesota Vikings? I, th- I well, actually, I think that's because they have a high like Scandinavian population. I'm like, oh. I'm pretty sure I've heard that somewhere because I also used to think they were. I was like, that's a really far way for like early <laughs> Norse people to get, like pre-Columbian exchange, right? That's just very far. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But re- but really, it's just like you know a bunch of like haggard uh, immigrants like Sven and his yeah. Like, family of uh you know his his Mm -hmm. his raggedy children dressed in gray yeah you know as everybody did back in the 1800s for sure the hair (laughs) the hair in minnesota yes i forget what that actually translates to that might be something to look into later Mm -hmm. um but so the archaeological remains of the settlement date back to about thousand ce and were discovered in 1960 by norwegian explorers helga and anna ingstad 
Okay. And so the remains of eight buildings are found here and are believed to have been constructed of sod placed over a wood frame, which is a typical of the type of building style the Norse construction had. It's kind of like if you ever read any illustrations of like Norwegian settlers or like people living out in like Iceland or something and you see that like sod house with yeah. maybe some wood. That's like, you know, that was pretty staple of there because it keeps you warm. Hmm. That would have been mostly used here. So no stone, nothing nothing really no 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 stone works no mm-hmm. uh no interesting is there like any um like i was reading a thing recently about uh carolina dingoes oh okay like that they're deep in the like swamps of the southeastern united states there's this remnant population of feral dogs that huh. possibly came over with like that, that, you know, crossed into Alaska from Siberia with, like, right. the original uh, the, the original movement of Native Americans. Are there, like, any plants we can, or, or animals that, like, we can, that are domestic or typically found in Iceland and Norway that they would have brought with them if they had settlement? Like, is there any, mm-hmm. like, do we see that introduction of feral animals and plants the way we do, like, say when we look at the uh the the polynesians Mm -hmm. uh moving across the pacific or uh into australia and stuff no it's a great it's a great question i i um this kind of falls into that problem of well not really problem but the reason why people don't really consider their discovery that important or anywhere before columbus in this way of importance is because they really don't do anything in a sense like even even to that level of bringing a population of a different species that ends up becoming feral and exists still doesn't really happen at least not to my knowledge Hmm. they did bring over like livestock that you would have been like familiar with so chickens cattle but there's there's no like there's no like feral herd of viking cattle Mm -mm. in in greenland that no not that that, not that i know got, got out once or something like greenland i'm not sure I'm not sure about uh, be, that's uh-huh. possible, but Vinland definitely okay. not, definitely okay. not in the north and so, in, in um like yeah. modern day Canada. I mean, this is so interesting because this is you know, I I understand why this is not as big of a story because this did not like set in motion our no, uh, <laughs> this did not really set much in motion, but it is an amazing a different perspective to look at. Mm-hmm. a human movement a, a, yeah. a european movement in that all of this was happening but because it wasn't a success we don't think of this in in terms of the the narrative of uh of of any global events i guess yeah well that's the thing it's like it's for me it's a kind of exciting because it reconsiders a lot of things and a lot of like relations that could have also happened later on yeah. it's almost like it's kind of like colonization gone wrong for Europeans mm. for once, which is so interesting as a concept where we think of like how mm-hmm. in a, as horrible as it is successful way, right, of European right. colonization of, of, of Americas. And in this case, it completely yeah. fails. And I guess I don't I don't even think about like there are there grapes that are native to North America. I never think mm-hmm. about that. Yeah, yeah. Apparently, I mean, I don't know too wow. much about it, but yeah, that they did grow up I there. I never, I never think about grapes yeah. being native to North America because, like, I, we, you know, we know about them from ancient times in right. Europe uh, and and the Middle East, but I, uh, 
Interesting, interesting. Yeah, okay. yeah, no, it's 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 pretty fascinating, but they there is this kind of sense of exchange. Um but then going right. back to the buildings, which of course mm-hmm. I'll I'll touch on as we as we continue, but going yes. back to the buildings. So based on the items that remained in them, it's believed to be that it's either it's believed that they were either homes or workshops. So mm-hmm. the largest dwelling consisted of several rooms and there was smaller buildings that may have been workshops or living quarters for lower status crew or slaves. And okay. one of the buildings was actually identified as a smithy because of there was a forge inside of it and an iron slag, which were contained inside of this building. Um, and then items that were discovered at the site were such as like a loom, rivets for boat construction, a bone knitting needle as part of a spindle, a stone oil lamp, and whetstones, which were all kind of located and found uh, around these surrounding buildings. Which is mm-hmm. interesting because it's uh, we're already kind of getting this like crime scene depiction uh, for lack of a better word. <laughs> That's how I look at archaeology, honestly. Of like you're really putting back together things as you find them, and then trying to. Or I guess that, was that yeah, that's archaeology, not anthropology. But so anyway, and going with that, there's really no way of telling how many people lived in the settlement, but it's estimated to have held either thirty to about 160 people based on the size of the buildings. And to give an example, the entire population of the Greenland settlement was about 2,500 people, which means that the Linso Meadows settlement was about 10% or so of their population. So the British archaeologist Julian D. Richards states that it seems highly unlikely that the Norse had sufficient resources to construct a string of such settlements. But what's interesting, or so, yeah, to construct a string of such settlements, but what's interesting, though, is, however, or what's interesting is that their food contained remnants of butternuts, which is important because they do not grow north of New Brunswick. And this is very north of New Brunswick. Mm. And so this indicates that they would have been either traveling further south or traded in order to acquire them. And, you know, that that already has a lot of kind of weight to it. But they've also there's also evidence that they would have hunted for food in the area, which would have consisted of caribou, wolves, lynx, marten, all types of birds and seals and whales and also walrus. Okay. Now, however, because in the winters, these games essentially disappear and farming is Mm -hmm. impossible during wintertime. This made living in the area through winter like pretty inhospitable to the settlers and it's possible they would have traded further or traveled further south to outlast the winter or more than likely tried to hibernate it and wait it out with the food that they had um because again they probably would have been accustomed to that way nevertheless it's more than probable that this contributes to the reason the colony didn't last very long huh okay Eleanor Baraclau, a uh, lecturer in medieval history and literature at Durham University, uh, proposes that the settlement was actually a temporary one for boat repairs based on the archaeological findings in, that remain in the area. And what's interesting as well is that on Old Norse maps, the settlement for Vinland points suspiciously to an area that looks like the tip of Newfoundland, which is where Ooh. this settlement is located. Not exactly, but pretty, pretty close to it not being a coincidence. Um, interesting so interesting. That, okay that's why so i was saying this, like this, this is, is recorded very, this is all very tantalizing yeah so there uh, also one other thing to keep in mind though there's also arrowheads found at the site scattered all around which leads scholars to believe it's possible they were driven out by indigenous peoples who inhabited the area so mm-hmm. there's a lot of stuff happening here it's, it's potential that this is a real settlement that this is actually a temporary one for repairing boats I don't mm-hmm. I honestly don't know. I think the only thing with boat repair is that there's no other things after. So where are we going? Hmm. 
that's in that's a concept it could also have been partly boat repair and that they were trying to use that as a base camp and it just doesn't work out because they're just not used to this climate because imagine like you've lived in iceland or norway most of your life and you see a mm-hmm. lynx out <laughs> like that's terrifying this like oh, oh my yeah, god no. like, and i mean you know pre pre-colonized north america was so terrifying scary. to europeans because you know, bears are common. Oh my god, yeah, no, I, I mean, there's, I think there's polar bears and stuff in, like, Norway, but, like... Really north, like, really, really yeah. north. Um, mm-hmm. But that's the thing, it's like, these are new, this is a new land, literally. Everything's different and yeah. weird in that way. What type of boats are they sailing? Because, like, I'm picturing, like, the dragon-headed ore mm-hmm. boats things. Is that correct, incorrect? Yeah, I would say that's pretty correct. I mean, the long ships are pretty staple boats for a long time because they're so efficient and they work really well. I don't think you're going to yeah. get any warships, which are the really, really big ones that you see, mm. but probably, yeah. like, mid-sized vessels, if not maybe smaller. But I would I would yeah. wager to believe long ships. Well, like, it's interesting you're bringing this up. It's kind of a coincidence so uh my my girlfriend allison on her mother's side i believe they are uh at least part norwegian or scandinavian or something like that um okay and so she was kind of talking about like her family making like uh uh scandinavian and nordic food and stuff Mm. and we were going through some recipes and stuff like trying to think of we wanted to make like some Nordic bread or something. Cool. And we kind of were talking like, did the did they bring bread with them on their journeys? Mm-hmm. And I kind of felt like that wasn't that didn't sound right. Because in the ancient world, you made bread was a thing you made and ate the day you made it. It was it did not yeah. keep super well. And from what I can tell, that is they they did not bring bread with them. They ate mostly like dried meat when they were on journeys, at least from what mm. I read. And like Vikings just ate a ton of meat. Like it's it sounds like a like a stereotype, but like fish and hogs and horses, like just they they just ate so much meat. And yeah, apparently yeah. while fairly while a fairly healthy and hearty people riddled with parasites yeah more than likely for that reason but i mean it's like but they they live in a place that i don't know how long the growing season is even if you're not not in vinland or greenland no not long at all it's not it's not (laughs) like like people want to grow crops and people do grow crops like but like they're not it's not a staple food like fish, uh, you know, pigs, beef, chicken for sure. Like these are going to be yeah. your food, like spe- definitely fish because this is what's available. And it's also cold and you need <laughs> fat to survive said yeah. winter. So meat is going to become the staple dish. I mean, we went to mm-hmm. Denmark. That was like a meat heavy space. This is no, we're not oh, in the yeah. land of pasta. Anymore. That was maybe that was maybe the most meat I ever saw you eat. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, if you would have known me a few years ago, for sure, more. But yeah, that's the thing. It's like, there's nothing else to eat. I'm not going to complain. Yeah. And it was really good. You know, the other thing we were skeptical of was she was going, Allison was going through her Nordic cookbook, and there was something in it called like, uh, like Scandinavian or Swedish pizza. And I was like, now hold on. Hold on a minute. But, you know, the book makes a good argument that even though we would refer to this as pizza and it's been kind of modernized uh-huh 
it's the book says, hey, you know, Scandinavians made bread and they also made a lot of cheese. Yes. And it's not beyond anyone's imagination that if you have those two things that you would eventually put them together. They probably did. Like everybody. I mean, I don't think it's just one, you know, it's the Italian staple. I think they just made it what it is today. <laughs> there was an act, there was a, you know, the, the baker and the uh, the cheesemaker bumped into each yeah, other. Yeah, yeah. You got cheese on my bread. Exactly. You got bread on my cheese. That's definitely how it happened, for sure. You can't convince me otherwise. But also, like, in yeah. terms of diets, too, like, you know, this is also at the point where things are starting to cross into more continental Europe, you know, where mm. they are very much trading. They're very much cross. Yeah. There's a lot of cross culture. There's a lot of exchange of foods, too. So this is no longer like the northern sea people hanging out in Norway and Denmark just kind of doing their own thing. They're very much becoming involved in, you know, medieval Europe. And yeah. this is still the early stages of that, but it's it's the groundwork is being laid as we kind of speak about like this is really the time that that's all happening. And so, yeah, cheese, meats, dairy foods in particular, this is very important. And this is also mm-hmm. going to kind of play a part later on when they come into contact with indigenous tribes mm. in which speaking of that's pretty much what happens pretty fast. And okay. so, you know, so you, they've, mm-hmm. they've gotten in Vinland. It sounds like it's kind of miserable, but there's potential for them. They have at least some kind of settlement. Maybe it's not anything set up for permanent habitation, yeah. but they've they've got a foothold. So what yeah. happens next? Well, <laughs> conflict <laughs> as anything does. But, you know, okay. like when they get like it's definitely for sure true that this is like a paradise in the beginning because it's warm. To make that clear, mm. it is much okay. warmer than that okay. of Iceland and Greenland. Not that much. Yeah. That I don't think we would find it warm. I don't think you, uh, rough and tumble Florida boy Zan, are going to find it to be warm. <laughs> but if you lived in Iceland your whole life and then moved to Vinland at this time, yeah, probably going to be a lot warmer. In the summer and spring and autumn, not in the winter. And that's when things get really horrible for them. Specific, well, I guess end of seasons, but so there's there's no Viking equivalent of Thanksgiving where the uh, natives no, help them survive the winter. No, what? No, no, it's way worse. So you know, speaking of that, you know, as soon as they get to Vinland, they're pretty much in contact with the local indigenous populations because okay, they're gonna see ships. Mm-hmm. showing up and being like well this is new you know and rolling up and saying like who's on our territory because this is also like you know north american tribes are doing well at this point mm-hmm. they're vastly mm-hmm. populated i'm pretty sure the iroquois confederacy is hanging out down south in the Un- algonquin tribes and stuff there's a lot going on um and yeah. so they make contact with i we don't exactly know what tribes it's to be um it's potentially like we can't we can't tell from the arrowheads or whatever I mean, I didn't do, I don't know, to be honest. I'm no, okay. I'm no, I'm no expert saying, I'm just an enthusiast. It's <laughs> potentially possible. From my understanding, it's most likely either the Bayotak, Dorset, Inu, or Inuit, or even the uh, Mi'kmaq tribes. Um, oh, okay. If you play the recent Assassin's Creed, they depict them as like Iroquois or speaking some sort of Iroquois language. So I didn't really mm. know where they got that one from, but I don't know. Ubisoft probably yeah. did their research. Just but, like a bunch of like, we, it, what if it was just like a total curveball? It was like someone from like <laughs> somewhere we don't even associate with the region or something like. It's possible. The, Viking, the Vikings land. They've gone a little bit further south into right. the North American continent, and then they hear just over the hill something coming. <laughs> 
the parlor with your And then Redbone oh. comes over <sighs> the hill, and they're like, "Oh my God, Redbone!" <laughs> That's the anachronism I need in a movie. <laughs> uh, I need that to happen. Uh, Hi there. My name is Colby White, and I'm one of the hosts from Force Football Facts, a podcast where my friend Zachary and I force our other friend Tyrell to give us insights into the game, even though he doesn't know anything about it. We use our humor to bring you weekly football news in a new way that takes fan opinions into account while also helping new fans understand why we love this game so much. You can check us out on our website, forcefootballfacts.com, or wherever podcasts are available. Hope to see you soon. No, so they wouldn't. They so the the Norse peoples would have called the the indigenous uh, peoples that they met uh, Skrælingjar, which is their term hmm. used to call the the indigenous peoples. And it's uh, you know how we mentioned earlier that uh, these things tend to be like slurs. So this would have been translated. Does it to, mean? Does it? Does it mean nice, nice people? No, no. Uh, it means wretched peoples. So it's literally well, the opposite. Come, come uh, on. Yeah. So they, this also kind of alludes to how this relationship's going to go, to be honest. Mm-hmm. This, so, okay. so we don't really know, and we may never know how they first make contact, how this ever happened between the Norse peoples and the Native Americans in the area. Uh, and although there were mentions of peace times, the sagas make it clear that in most times they met each other with confusion, misunderstanding, and conflict most of the time. Mm-hmm. And so we don't mm-hmm. know as much about the native cultures of Upper Canada during the 10th and 11th centuries. This is, again, coming from my own Western bias. I'm not entirely sure. This may or may not right. have changed in recent yeah. times. So if you know, please, you know, uh, tweet at I us. I mean, seriously, Let us know. if you I need know to know anything more about this, because this is fascinating, it's, but... Yeah, it's yeah, so but, but interesting. But I'm, I'm imagining, like, because everyone in Europe was absolute, not everyone, but, like, any, the the people of Northern Europe had such a reputation about them of these, of, uh, you know, these these fierce warriors of, you know, and that mm-hmm. could have been from a, a biased place of, you know, trying to make them sound like barbaric savages or whatever, but like not without reason. Like they yeah, were, yeah. there, there were reasons to be afraid of, you know, Scandinavian and Nordic raiders and Vikings and for stuff. sure. But like, you know, imagining them landing and then being vulnerable and that they are these, you know, uh, just the, these very alien looking people in a strange new continent. And suddenly, mm-hmm. you know, you have a very, uh, very powerful uh, local force that does not want you there. New, no. you know? Yeah. It's a completely re- role reversal kind of literally. Yeah, no, nobody is interested in their beards. They're like, they no. showed up like they wanted to sell like beard oil or something. Yeah. You know? They show up they <laughs> That the they show up, they want to open an axe throwing bar, uh, a a beard oil store. Uh, yeah, you know and, exactly. You know, you just have a whole bunch of people that don't, uh, a whole bunch of people that don't grow beards, and they're like, ah, oh, we have nothing to offer. <laughs> yeah, th- there is not much that's gonna be offered in that way for sure. Yeah, but but that's the thing. It's like, you know, I mean, also these aren't necessarily the same Viking raiders as we. I mean. It's possible that some of them were that they partook because you know mercenaries were still being hired. Pretty hardened person to sign up for this 
gig. Yeah, I, I mean, these, these, yeah, I imagine the people going in here wanted adventure. Like, they were very clear what they were going to do. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. And also, within, I think, Norse society at the time, or, you know, that's kind of common. Even though it's fading out, it's not too soon yet, so it's still very much there. Um, but, yeah. you know, we, we know that the Norse peoples were for sure superstitious and, you know, uh, questioning the indigenous mm. groups, given the name. But we also, again, we don't know not, not much about said indigenous peoples in the areas, again, to my knowledge. But mm-hmm. it can also be kind of assumed that they were also superstitious as well as violent. You know, these people are coming out of nowhere they don't look very friendly, and I'm talking about the, right. the Norse peoples in this case. I think you're going to be a little nervous. And the language groups are completely different. Oh, they yeah, do not no. understand each other. It would have been most likely impossible for them to communicate verbally in that way, given how complicated their language groups are. It's very right. different. I mean, it's apples and oranges. But obviously there is communication. There's a way of of, of speaking and, and trading. It happened. I mean, I don't yeah. think it's I – think, I think human beings are kind of – you know, we're special in that way because we can communicate at, in bare bones at the end of the day uh, to do things. I just don't necessarily know how complex those conversations are going to be. But I think they it was broke possible. out the, uh, the, the what, what is it? Uh, Boba and Kiki. The what? Boba and Kiki. I don't know what that is. Um, there's, <laughs> this, <laughs> there's this this weird experiment where. Uh, I don't know if it's a linguistics thing or what, but basically like uh, they, they did this experiment where they went to people from different languages and they showed them two shapes. Mm. Uh, one was kind of like a round lumpy uh, cloud shape. And one was like a spiky sea urchin starburst kind of shape. And they said, one of these is called Boba and one is called Kiki. Mm. And it seems like across language groups and cultures, people associate Kiki with the pointy one and Boba with the lumpy rounded one. That's interesting. Yeah. Huh. I didn't know that. Yeah. Learn yeah. new things every day. But yeah, I don't, I, I don't think that, I don't think uh, life was carrying that around in his, in his pocket no. and was like, let's start from here. Yeah. I don't think they really expected to find anybody. To be honest, uh, and and part of, part of that is also well, actually, to kind of preface this, you know, at this point, like we kind of mentioned, you know, nor- the Norse settlers would have been like mostly Christian. Hmm. The old gods of the past still would probably be present in the cultural memory, but this is, you know, life is Christian. Like part of his hmm. whole journey was because he's trying to bring Christianity to like Greenland and other areas. Yeah, so that also kind of feeds into this idea that they possibly looked at the indigenous peoples as like demons trying to inhabit hmm. humans or whatever i don't know how much i'm gonna like that's kind of as i was reading i've heard yeah. about i don't know how much i love that idea because i feel like that's a bit of an interesting take not a good one though do you know what yeah, i mean like the I, fact they it, would... it's it's so hard to know because they're um it i i don't know enough about the motivations for yeah northern peoples to become christians because you know i know about like charlemagne and stuff but i don't like i don't necessarily know about with with how much it always seems like to me at least with some crucial exceptions in history the scandinavians and northern europeans kept a lot of their autonomy through time 
Yeah. And, you know, they, yes, they keep a lot of old traditions and incorporate it into Christianity, but it's like, I don't even know the sales pitch of like, you don't get, (laughs) like, we're going to move away from this heritage and religion that's so unique to this place of Odin and Thor and Loki and uh Asgard and like like it's it's not just a religion it's a it's, it's an a culture, entirely yeah. different cultural and cosmology mm-hmm. of understanding the way the world works and maybe that's just you know they got christianity from trade and stuff kind of the way like Japan mm-hmm. and Korea got it you know that yeah. it, just, it just sort of caught from partially from encroachment but also Mm. just from interacting so right i i don't i don't even know like because the spanish we know the spanish in you know 1492 you know aside from columbus which was you know they were they 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 really didn't they didn't really didn't give a shit about christopher columbus until he came back (laughs) right um but in 1492 the fact that Spain is hell bent on turning everyone Catholic. Yeah, this isn't that. This is this is yeah. also I think even this is earlier for that. You know, I don't. Yeah, no, don't no. Really this get is this. this is almost five hundred <laughs> years. Yeah, before uh, the the Spanish, uh, you know, become turbo Christians. Right, but yeah, I mean that idea of like the turbo Christians. Like I'm saying, like I still think that. Because, like, they could have used, if they didn't use Christianity as their justification, which I don't think they would have, to be honest, they probably would have still been thinking of, like, the myths. Because there's myths like that. Mm. You know, you still have that prejudice against giants. You have other things, these evil creatures. It's still there. So it's possible mm. that this is, like, the justification. But it's, like, yeah, you know, it's, a, it's again, you're going to a place. You don't expect people. People show up. They're way mm-hmm. more, like, it, it's worth noting. They're kind of, like, evened matched at this point technology wise even though yeah. the Norse people have iron and iron swords and, and axes and stuff this is still yeah. pretty even in terms of medieval technology this and and mm-hmm. well yeah well, you, we'll, we'll I mean, get back the, the, to you, it but. you can mm-hmm. you had you know uh empires building and crumbling all because yeah. of bow and arrow you yeah don't, uh, For, the, uh the 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 sword only really makes sense in certain combat situations. Yes. More or less mm-hmm. bow and arrows are going to get the job done it, or spears, yes. throwing spears. But it, even yes. in this case of a bow and arrow, like for instance, in terms of fighting, like Thorvald Eriksson, life's brother goes mm-hmm. and decides that one time he's, he's going to kill some native Americans as they're sleeping in a sneak attack to kind of get like an advantage. There is a right. this happens in the sagas. I'm not entirely sure the context, but I'm assuming mm-hmm. there's been some conflict because there's multiple wars that are kind of going on right, with this. Right. And so one of them ac- actually ends up escaping, and then this leads to him or them returning with reinforcements, and they kill Thor. Um, they killed Thorvald and his men. So mm. this is again, this is going to be like a cause and effect, consequence, consequence. You know, people fighting, and then there's maybe a little peace, maybe a little Thanksgiving, and then that's it, and then they go back to fighting. Which mm. so this is just like constant conflict. They do not want these people here, and there's pretty good reason why. Um, but nevertheless, yeah. they seem to have had these moments. You know, they had these moments of peace where people were keeping their distance and they traded. You know, you stay over there, we're going to be over here. Yeah, and you know, it's kind of like I was mentioning earlier. The Viking Wars are essentially over 
So now, mm-hmm. like, pre-Scandinavian peoples would have been defining themselves as these kingdoms, as these countries, and instead of making their money by raiding, which uh, is still happening, by the way, that that they do get hired by a lot of these uh, kingdoms. A lot of, like, the Kingdom of Denmark will hire Vikingers to go and fight in England later on and with the yeah, Normans like, and like stuff. Pir- like pirates. Yeah, yeah they're still pirates. They're still going to be there for a long time. It's just not as frequent. There's not any more, like, clans. So, really, you're getting more, like, merchants, people who want to sell stuff. They want to trade. They want to set up a route. They want to be able to control right, the territory. Yeah. And well, that's that, what that's, this that's is. That's what happens with any of these, like, ancient organizations, like the Freemasons. Yeah. Like, I don't know how many buildings the Freemasons still build anymore. <laughs> right. But, you know, you have, like, the thing you're initially known for and then you're like actually we kind of wanted to get more into a uh organizational banking mercantile yeah thing or like the or like the mongols too you know who become massively important for trade in in asia but Mm -hmm. you know so this is kind of like what's really i think at the center here they set up this place most likely that to trade and to control trading routes and so you know they did trade with the indigenous groups and that is recorded and even in one of the cases they traded uh milk and cheese with them Mm. now as we mentioned at one point in one of our exhibitions uh lactose intolerance is quite common amongst non-european peoples specifically in indigenous populations in the americas because there's no cheese there's no dairy well it's not just common it's sort of the it, it, it's it's more like a um it's like the normal like, right like something like that yeah it's it's it, it is a specific adaptation yeah for people that cultivated dairy animals to to be able to uh consume dairy like that that would have been an adaptation mm-hmm. that occurred later than the native americans arriving in exactly. north america like th- like this is something like that i only kind of recently realized it was something like had crossed my mind but like i don't think i'd ever researched it further but the the thing to understand about how far back the um indigenous americans would have crossed into north america and like how far back this goes like there are people living in similar latitudes as Europeans, mm-hmm. right? Right. In North America. So why don't they have lighter skin tones like people in Asia and Europe do, right? Mm-hmm. Right. And it's because they left Asia so long ago that that adaptation for light skin uh, to absorb more vitamin D in colder climates didn't evolve yet. Right. Yeah. Yeah. That's interesting. So th- it's understanding that there's a just just how separate these people are culturally. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's it's this is it's part of that massive difference, you know, for them, even with like just gifting milk and cheese, that's like the staple part of what they had. It's like pretty yeah you know, normal, but th- to these, it's not. But it's like it, it makes it makes their con it makes like you know the uh, the northern Europeans like conflicts with the southern Europeans like seems so like trivial in their yeah, differences. Yeah, exactly because it's pretty you know that's the same adaptation you know they're like it's the wrong kinds of cheese. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And <laughs> just leave it to the Italians; it's fine. And the Greeks. No, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. But like, what's interesting though is like this is taken as a as a is a poisoning like the indigenous groups are considering this as like they were poisoned and they poisoned the food and this is a 
product of misunderstanding. And in another account of one of the conflicts, um, there was mention of a bowl that had gotten loose and ran towards a native oh, settlement, whoops. wreaking havoc. And oh my god, you know they're not getting off on the right foot no, here. No, it's just things are getting things are going wrong very frequently, and it freaked them oh out so much because imagine <laughs> you've never seen a bull before; it's like a monster coming at you. And oh, yeah, they no. they took it as an act of war. Like they started a brief war over this, and that's what's recounted in the sagas. It's more than likely true. I'm yeah. I'm gonna leave out this part of like the story because there's like so in the sagas, there's also the reinterpretation by like Christian perspectives that want to make a lot mm. of this like a moralizing thing, you know. So they try like the to bull. like wait, wait, wait which not really. It's it's the bull it's, represent. Well, it's not gonna get with the bull. It's gonna be with Frades, who's life sister and in the story that's and really the account it's she was eight months pregnant and couldn't keep up with the retreat as everybody pretty much ran from this conflict that was about to take place because i mean like the indigenous people who are attacked are like this is a war like they are going after them you know what i mean Mm -hmm. and so apparently she went berserk with a like her sword and just started like attacking you know so imagine like a pregnant lady's just fighting and they have that super pregnancy strength I guess, yeah. So, I mean, honestly, it's, you know, it's probably very intimidating. And in reality, yeah. they, because the natives apparently, like the Native Americans retreat from this and the yeah. stories. And it's like because, you know, she held her faith or because she was so powerful. And I'm sure there's an. Not and, because she, like, you know, basically was on, like, she basically was roided out on baby hormones. Yeah. And, you know. and it's just going absolutely <laughs> crazy. And then the, in reality, the indigenous people are like, okay, no, we're not going to deal with this. Like, I don't want to deal. Because I, I, I wouldn't want to deal with it either. Yeah, no, exactly. Nobody, nobody wants to deal with uh, what. what <laughs> Nobody wants to deal with Astrid, uh, you know, yeah. freaking out over there. <laughs> exactly. You know? They're just like, no, nah, we'll come back. It's fine. So, you know, yeah. that's. And, and you know, this has changed a bunch, but that's pretty much how I would imagine this goes down. Because essentially, yeah, this is also one thing we have to realize is that you have a lot of, like, Christian morality works that are kind of finding their way into these texts. There's then going to be, I'm sure, the co-opting of white supremacy that takes place, you know, as we that are very familiar with. just sort of ruins with. the fun of all of this, I, doesn't it? I mean, yeah, that's why we have to kind of go back to some sources and start looking at it. Because I don't think it's even... That's why it's like, there's so many like stories you can read about that tell you about it. But there's a lot of bullshit in them, to be honest. Oh, yeah. And so... But, you know, again, like, this is parts of their conflicts. And these Mm -hmm. two are essentially kind of evenly matched as well, technologically, as I was speaking. But the thing is, you have a group of people that are based in said continent and a group of people that aren't and there's not many of them and Mm -hmm. this isn't really like european colonization during the age of exploration this is you know they're not funding expeditions there's really no money to be made here and no one really kind of cares on the other side like in iceland and in norway and greenland they're not really pushing to go um you know to go settle vinland it's kind of like it's like the place you can go and it's like it's literally the frontier frontier it is like because mm. Greenland's the frontier, so it's past the frontier, you know. So yeah, it's it's not really sought after. There's no one. There's no real initiative. Um, mm-hmm. And so you know, mm-hmm. Norse colonies in, in Greenland and Iceland are kind of doing their own thing. They're getting by, so they didn't really push for full conquest of the area. Right, right. It's kind of like before they realized they could cultivate oranges in Florida. They were like, yeah. "Why the hell would you <laughs> want any of this?" Exactly, exactly. <laughs> it's just not worth the kind of risk and a expense 
for lack of a better yeah. word, you know? And so they didn't really make the full effort to fully colonize Vinland, and evidence suggests from exploring the remains of the site that uh, and that settlement at, um, you know, the one that we're discussing, that it really only survived for 15 years or so. So okay, so at, like no time at all. Not yeah, like in, a blip in a, histor- in a historical sense. Oh yeah, nothing. Not yeah. If we have to do the whole historical time, I think this is like literally that insignificant. And so every right. major effort the Norse made in an attempt to colonize North America was pretty much thwarted by the indigenous peoples in the areas. And mm-hmm. this is due to the lack of warfare resources of later Europeans, as well as the fact that, which I find this pretty interesting, that there's the Norse did not have contact with the diseases that are responsible for wiping out most of the indigenous populations in North America, which yeah, is interesting, you know, because yeah, but well, because at this point, I feel like the the in academic circles, it is not considered. It, it's no longer sort of looked at as oh, Europeans showed up with guns mm-hmm. and horses yeah and that's how they took over two continents pretty right. easily yeah like it's pretty much been whittled down to it was smallpox no like, literally it, like that was kind of it like if if smallpox had not been a, a a player in this or if there had been some kind of natural immunity to smallpox like the Native Americans would have easily oh, yeah. repelled uh, the the incoming Europeans. Yeah, no, that like no question. That was the thing because they didn't yeah. even really use guns. They weren't inefficient. They weren't useful. And well, yeah, armor no, was this is heavy. Ba- this is back in the day when like you shot a gun once, yeah. and then and then your next best option was to throw it. I mean, or hit someone with it. Essentially, it was just a mace. You know, like it's that's the th- or well, a spear when the band. Then we're going out. backwards. That's good. That was like the first <laughs> weapon. That was the first <laughs> weapon we came up with. I know it's this one. It's like the uh, the the bonus attachment. We, so now it goes from being the most advanced weapon that we had ever created as a species right. to it's a club. We're back to square one, and Pretty the other much. side has bows, arrows, and yeah. they're all healthy, well fed. Yeah. well-groomed uh people that know the land yeah pretty much not that that's the thing I, i'm very happy that that theory and that whole idea has been changed because that was always the worst it's like because once you start to learn about it, you're like i don't think guns alone make this art like there's no way i'm sorry well but, you, you know think about like, where gun technology was at that point yeah it was you literally and a lot of times even they, i know they said it was like scare tactics to a certain degree but i'm sure that wore yeah. off after a while but yeah i think well, one of the things that, because uh, like when um when I was in high school, we had to read Guns, Germs, and Steel, and then yeah, we even, like watched say. like the accompanying documentary and stuff, and like something about it, like I remember something about it, like rubbing me the wrong way, mm-hmm. being annoyed by it. I didn't necessarily know a lot about Native American stuff, or at that point, um, but like now reading uh. 1491 by charles c mann much better much better perspective yeah and well also i think what i'm interested in is i'm interested in people and stories and stuff like that right learning these instances and learning about what uh what we can learn about the past and what life was like Mm -hmm. and i think that book does a much better job of painting what life was like in a day-to-day existence and one of the things it points out is okay so the spanish have arrived in the incan empire right 
Right. And Sorrow and his men, you know, like with like a hundred guys, takes over the Incan Empire. Right. And it's sort of, uh, you know, pointed out conventionally, this is shown as they show up with horses and guns mm-hmm. and nothing stands a chance. And yet there's documented evidence of the uh the incas having technology to counter horse attacks and having like projectiles wow. they they could throw to take down a horse and that like they were skilled in warfare they had like flaming projectiles that they Whoa. could shoot in slings yeah you know like they were devastating in battle and also the incans didn't they didn't use the wheel because all of their roads were too steep for wheels to right. be useful. Right. Exactly. And actually all everything that they had set up in their um on their roads with st- with very steep steps meant that you could travel very quickly by foot with a llama because mm. llamas can walk up steep hills pretty easily. Um, and that horses would not have really been willing to go up the stairs, up the road. So you had a whole road network that the Spanish couldn't even use. Yeah, exactly. And yet all of this, all of this comes crumbling down because of a weapon that the Spanish didn't even know they had. Yeah. They, the Spanish failed upwards in the most spectacular way of, like just just completely bumbling their way to uh horrible bloody conquest yeah yeah i mean it's it's interesting in that in that way too because it's like yeah i think it's always been kind of painted in that way you know of it was actually like the advancements but in reality it's not true and again if we didn't if they didn't have the diseases most likely would not have ended that way it's kind of it's kind of like you're playing risk and then someone and then the person you're playing risk with sneezes really hard and Mm. knocks everything over and then you decide well i guess we're not playing this game anymore i mean essentially yeah (laughs) 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 but you know in 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 this case too that's why i think it's also a very interesting kind of case study because you're like this is like two evenly matched groups oh totally and i mean this is this this illustration that you've brought forward about the about the scandinavians in vinland and life Erickson <laughs> and and his and his kin it sounds like this I think illustrates that you know there's no uh perfect peaceful idyllic mm-hmm. life in North America and then the Europeans come with their weapons and everything cuz I don't think this yeah. plays into that narrative either of what I think also kind of dehumanizes the indigenous people like playing them as if they were people without politics and without uh without conflict amongst themselves but the uh this this sings a very different song of these are both people on on the uh people maybe on the fringes but still people that are both represent powerful ancient uh organizations and cultures meeting on fairly level playing field and the Vikings, mm-hmm. the the sort of epitome of what we think of as savage, uh, savage European uh, uh, culture, uh, just 
turn turning tail and and leaving because uh, they do not have the resources available to take on uh the locals yeah um it's it's definitely in that way kind of interesting and for me it's also like i don't know it's just such a it's like a breath of fresh air story you know where you're like ah finally we don't have to hear about like a europe another european power coming in and wiping Mm -hmm. out a group it's actually the opposite in that case and and i mean like Mm -hmm. even for kind of how this goes like in why they leave you know this is Mm -hmm. the the settlement is in vinland and north america was it's it's seemingly short-lived by the norse people Mm -hmm. but their their involvement is potentially not so it's it's entirely possible as well that like greenlandic norsemen were aware of the region and could have been active there for well over 400 years but maybe they just knew not to go there yeah i mean we we don't know (laughs) this is also kind of one of those cases of like we kind of don't know we can just only assume like it's possible that they were in contact with the indigenous peoples there although very limited but the, the one of the kind of theories here is the only reason they would ever go is to keep returning for lumber because wood's essential mm. to life in Greenland, but there's it's very scarce. You know, there's no wood. That's why I'm so interested in like I feel like the material culture and the agriculture would be so much more telling than if we found like yeah. skeletons of Vikings. Like I feel yes. like all you need to do is like, you know, find some northern tribe in Canada that has like, you know, some Viking genetics in them or vice versa, like going to Norway and finding someone that's inexplicably like one 32nd, uh, you know, uh, Inuit. Like exactly. But that's, you know, I, Mm. I, I I feel like the, there are other markers we could find to, uh, to to indicate something but that's the thing we we don't right now and most likely we don't because there wasn't that much involvement realistically that's probably the answer like there Mm -hmm. wasn't much happening between this there was real no cultural exchange there wasn't an impact left on the indigenous peoples by uh the the norse peoples and there wasn't an indigenous impact on the Norse peoples. You know, there wasn't yeah. this trade. There wasn't that need for something that was going to they kind of carry us they on. They didn't find the part of the Americas with tomatoes. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> no Norse tomatoes. That would have been, wow, that would have made such a difference. Then in we would have really had Swedish pizza. Absolutely. Could oh you imagine? Gosh. Could you imagine if the Scandinavians beat the Italians to making That's, pizza because they discovered tomatoes first? I kind of want that to happen though i hope there's a reality that's like that where that actually would have happened oh my god but you know it's it's interesting though and and kind of bringing our our tour here to a close and in bringing this story to a close like one thing to keep in mind too it's like you know even though this this settlement of inland does fade away very quickly relatively right Mm -hmm. you know greenland does continue but it does end up mysteriously disappearing kind of around the 15th and 16th century like it it basically kind of goes off the grid there are, there's a couple of theories here of why this would have happened. One being that the resources they were selling to make a living, essentially, because again, trade, and that's the only reason they're surviving, just went out of fashion because by that time, other European countries and kingdoms would have just been getting it somewhere else for probably cheaper. Um, mm-hmm. The other is potentially the harsher uh, winters and such, and even... Or or just indigenous attacks. And in, uh. in an exchange of letters between the Catholic Church and Pope Nicholas V in the 1440s, it mentions that uh, the settlement in Greenland has been left without priests for some time after its attack by the heathens. 
which it's more than likely that the Thule people were moving forward into the region at the time. Yeah. And um, like we were kind of mentioning earlier how they were they were kind of more inland and now they're expanding and thriving, actually. And this is where the Ah. Inuit kind of come in. And because they didn't really have that much contact, again, this is going to be like a, hey, what are you doing here? And just take them over pretty (laughs) because they would have easily outnumbered them. And so this is actually kind of an interesting situation where the indigenous people wiped out the colonizers and retook the land, which is a win. Whoa, I'll take that as a win. And, uh, I mean, this is pretty long. So what, this would be like the 15th century? This is up until the Kingdom of Denmark retakes it uh, in more modern times as a territory um, and kind of how it has its current ownership and status. Um, and, of course, then you have Iceland and the Faroe Islands today, which are still pretty much doing their own thing as they were back then, maybe a bit more far along. Mm, they're just, you know, th- these are just places that I picture being entirely populated by puffins. Yes. What a dream. But, you know, the the more the most plausible answer, though, to why the settlement in Greenland both failed and also why Expedition West just stopped was be- yeah. it's more than likely climate change. Because during the sailing trips of Life and Eric and Thorfinn in the 11th century, it's this is a period known as the medieval warming, uh, which is also right. a long time of warm summers and seas for sailing. So crossing the Atlantic but then the, would have been a lot easier followed by the little ice age exactly out. beat me right to it which then gets to the worst and doesn't change until uh which I think it starts in what the 12th century and it doesn't really end until the 1850s so right. that ended that really fast and more than likely that is why um the the Greenland settlement even failed is because the winter just hit so hard. And actually uh, Tom McGovern an archeologist at Hunter college in New York city implies that the winters of 1355 really hit the colonies in Greenland extensively hard and, and states that the settlers turned to eating their livestock and pets during the winter when food ran out, when actually if they would have adapted to the ways of the Inuit and hunted ring seal in the winter, they may have survived given that the Inuit prospered in the little ice age because of their hunting methods. So if they is would that, have adapted, is that how the is that how the third uh, How to Train Your Dragon movie ends? They have to end up eating all the dragons. I hope. Well, I guess the dragons would have ate them, right? I guess. Yeah. It's <laughs> but... like this is. I mean, <laughs> well, I was look, look. There are there are two possibilities there. If the How to Train Your Dragon takes place in our universe, right? And I know we still have Nordic people. So, but I don't right. think we have dragons No dragons anymore, yet. So. <laughs> That's possible. Anything's a theory if you think hard enough, I guess. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I don't... <laughs> it's, it's, it's hard to tell the, the historic accuracy of a, uh, of a yeah. movie where uh, people... What what who is it? Ger- Gerald Gerald Butler? Yeah, uh, and... Um, who oh, you, uses his Scottish accent to be a Viking... But, you know, he also used his Scottish accent to be uh, an ancient Spartan. Leonidas, yeah. Love that, though. You know? Yes. You can't say that that's not what they sounded like. You know I what? Mean, You're we, absolutely we, right. We kind of can, but whatever. We, it's fine. Well, I, I, I don't know if we can, if we can say mm. that we know that they didn't sound like No, that. bro, trust me. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, this is essentially really what brings us to a close in all of this. And so Norse influence in North America, it's really lacking in any substance at all. They're not, they didn't provide much influence or change into the area, as I stated, and they didn't necessarily really keep exploring because of what happened or did anything with that information that they acquired. 
And yeah. as my as my high school AP World History teacher put it, the Vikings may have been the first Europeans to step foot in America, but they didn't tell anyone or do anything about it. And I right. think that sums it up pretty well, to be honest, about yeah. why. Well, because we want to be careful when we put this information out there because this is amazing, you know, yeah. and this is fascinating, and this really puts a new lens and a new perspective into how we look at history. That being said, I feel like when you introduce information like this, it prompts other people to say, well, everything we know about history is wrong. Right. You know, right. Like that every now and then you come across people that want to claim that, uh, you know, that native Americans are, actually sub-saharan africans you know Mm -hmm. and or if if you're mormon that they're native americans or israelites or Mm -hmm. but 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 there is like that strain there of like trying to color our contemporary politics with history people who had a concept of race but their concept of race was profoundly different than ours yes very much so you you and i are i i think we have our interesting perspective other than we are both descendants of people that would not have been liked by these people uh yeah and people that until recently would not have been considered quote unquote white. And yet today we both enjoy white privilege and right. passing privilege as white men in America. Mm-hmm. But understanding that that would have meant something very different to both of the peoples that we are descended from. Uh, and Yes. Yes. Very true as well. And I mean, even like, I think as we discuss in the upcoming series regarding vikings and that whole story will be a good time to even investigate further this concept we even have of them because it's not Mm -hmm. that idea of whiteness is kind of new in terms of the broader spectrum of history and so applying it which a lot of people do in this in this in this uh historical context is actually it's bad because it's not it wouldn't have been applicable i mean you know in the sense of like the um the white supremacy of of uh of vikings the depiction of that that's why again like even that story of freydes you know that's used a lot of times to be this kind of like that's the female character from the sagas we can attach to so we can convince people so the blonde haired you know blue-eyed women are the the depiction of this you know there's this is all gonna come in and i think too like that's the importance of kind of just taking a step out of that, even though it's very difficult because of how much that's ingrained into history, ingrained into our society. But rethinking and relearning a lot of things, I think needs to be looked at more than just like, everything's wrong, everything's bad, everything is made up. Because that just leads to nothing. It's kind of like that fatalistic (laughs) approach or just like the, I know the secrets because this is my perspective and I have to be right. It, It kind of ends up doing the same thing. Whereas I feel like, the, to me, this is totally my own perspective that you can take it or leave it, honestly. Yeah. Um, I do all the mm-hmm. time. You know, this <laughs> <laughs> this to me is interesting because it is this contact that's so, in a way, removed from what we conceive it as colonization. Is. And yeah. it would be more in line with what, like, Greek 
early, early Greek or Phoenician or even opposite of that, like Polynesian colonization may have been like, possibly. And, and I honestly don't know. And yeah. probably not, nothing's ever the same in that case. So I don't know, but I think it's also just this interesting situation where it falls out of line of this like kind of stereotypical timeline and the Europeans are beaten back and lose. Yeah. I yeah, it's like it's like the be it's early in the in the book of Dracula. You listen to Dracula recounting this tale of uh, how the Transylvanians pushed back against the people of uh, the the other right. people of Eastern Europe and like took control of the Carpathian Mountains and uh-huh. uh, you know this whole thing. And you're just listening to him, and he's very interested in this. And then you're like, I have absolutely no stake or real interest in any of this. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> it feels so far removed oh, from wait. any... Yeah, uh, exactly. For, you can't even really have a take on it unless yeah. you are a scholar of ancient, <laughs> you know, Eastern European peoples. Right, exactly, exactly. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I think it's just such a... It's it's kind of interesting because this is very much the end of what we would stereotypically call the like Viking Age, right? I mean, actually, no, the Viking Age passed by this point. Like, this is the tail end. You know, this. Well, is... yeah, because the Vi- the whenever you, s- I know it's a real thing, but every time <laughs> you know. say Viking Age, I'm picturing it's the Viking Age from Come yeah. Fury, where there's laser Blame, raptors yeah. and machine guns. Well, I mean, that was left out of um, when when, Kate, when <laughs> did, Arthur what actually. What part of the story? What part of the story? Where did I miss the laser raptors? We didn't get to it. It's earlier. It would have been like the eight hundreds, uh, but no, wow. I, there was no late. We didn't even they had like what is it? The they barely had even. Well, no, they did have advanced. I don't know where I'm going with this, but yeah, no, there's no laser raptors. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, it's 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 kind of just like interesting in this way. I feel like in, in a, in, in this, this roundabout way to kind of close to preface the Vikings, the Vikingers, the Norse peoples, it's interesting to end with their settlements and where they ended up and what happened Right. Yeah. to then give this whole prehistory to that, or like this kind of like what happened before and why. Um, and mm-hmm. also the kind of, I think some reasons why we have the depictions that we do of them from, from English perspectives, from this kind of also then Christian perspective, which really does take a toll. But, um, yeah. Yeah. Well, just like, just like James Cameron's Titanic, you really, uh, opened it with, uh, the ending. Um, yeah, it's a real, uh, it's a real red dead redemption. How how did we get here? Um, (laughs) well, Thank you, Joe, so much oh, for uh, taking the reins on this one and such fabulous research. So interesting. Yeah, thank you. Thanks. I'm out of. I think we should head back to the uh, main hall. Yeah, of the, uh, for sure. Museum. It's uh, you know, it's getting a little cold out on the yeah. tundra. I'm out of pickled herring to eat. Right. We want to thank you guys so much for visiting us today at the Uncanny County Museum. Let's see, what do we got going on? If you want to uh, follow the museum after hours, we are at Uncanny Museum on Twitter and at Uncanny County Museum on Instagram. If you want to find me and my art, I am at Xanosaurus on Instagram. And I'm Joe Cimino Art on Instagram. I am in a show at the Limner Gallery called Arte Natura, July 10th. Um, Joe, you have a show that you have work in as well, yes? I do, yes. And um, I have a, a work in the CIACA Museum in South Korea uh, as part of the group Ooh. exhibition In Touch. 
I'm still getting details on that. It's, uh, I think, going to be in December and November. So I guess stay tuned for that. If you're in South Korea and it's open, go, I guess. It's supposed to be really interesting. <laughs> so um, I will update as it happens. Yes, yes, yes. Yeah, I guess that about does yeah. it for us today. Um, how, do, how do you say uh, goodbye uh, in, in Nordic? Uh, I, I, mm, I, I don't know. Hold on. <laughs> I genuinely. Hey, rumst. Hey, hey, or, don't, uh, skia, skiamst. I, maybe? Is that actually uh, how you say it? Is it really bless? Bless, or I think it's actually bless. Ah, okay. Well, bless. in Icelandic, which is the closest to, uh, Old Norse. Oh really? Yeah, fun fact. Because, because, not to derail our ending, but Nor- Norwegian has a few different versions of it. But the most common is Norsk, and in, in Danish is obviously Danish, but it has its own depiction. So I like to think mm-hmm. of all like of let's just use uh, Denmark, Norway, and Sweden as the Scandinavian languages. Finland aside, because mm-hmm. it's more Slavic, and so is Swedish technically. So they're all like okay. the different Englishes. So like think Scottish accents, Australian accents, and American accents. We're in a room together, and then maybe Icelandic is like Old English. So okay, yeah, all right. Anyway, well, so bless, I guess, in that case, bless and uh, let oh. it go, because that that could have oh that, that would have been taken. Should we Arend- say for- <laughs> I don't even know where Arendelle was. Technically Norway, I guess. Story. I guess okay. Well. From the Uncanny County Museum, I have been Zan Peters. And I've been Joe Semino. Bye. Bless. Bye. Bye.